years now. Gave my life to the Lord when I was 21. I couldn't wait to be 21 so I can party. And then I got saved. And then I was like, the Lord saved me from that, from that lifestyle. But yeah, I did live a life of growing up, knowing God. Then as I became a young adult, um, I just didn't care. I just didn't care if there was a God. I didn't care. You know, it wasn't re relevant to my life. And so um, I came here to a church, church service that my sister invited me to. And just like Frederick is sitting there, the man of God began to preach the gospel, the good news. And the gospel was touching my heart. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't sealed. And so what God did was began to speak through the pastor at that time and began to tell me things about my life. There is no way he could have known. He came up to me just like this and started talking to me just like, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. And it's what I needed. God used this man to really minister to me to show, to let me know that he knew who I was. And he began to tell me things about my life. There is no way this man could have known. That's a gift that the Holy Spirit can give us. And it's uh, the word of knowledge, words of knowledge. And so he began to tell me, um, um, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning, knowing the sacrifice that has been made for us, there's nothing left that God can do for us. And in that very same chapter, verse 31, it tells us what a fearful thing to fall. It is a dreaded thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a beautiful thing if he's your father. It's a beautiful thing if you know you've lived your life out to please him. But it is a dreadful thing if you're not living for the king. Amen? The good news is that there's grace at the cross. Amen? That's the end to my message. <laughs> there's grace at the cross. If you have fallen into sin, if you have compromised, come on. Today is a new day. The Bible says his mercies and his grace are new every single morning, guys. And that's not just something we say here and there. That is the truth. That is a promise, just like we were singing earlier. His promises are for us, and we need to hold on to it and believe it. If you need that promise, take it. Receive his grace this morning. But today we're going to be talking about Solomon. Because King Solomon was an awesome man, but he's also an awesome example of someone who messed up. He did it the wrong way because he gave way to sin. Solomon had everything given to him. His father was a great king. His father loved God. He left uh, a legacy for him. He left a place for him, and, and he handed over the throne so he could be king and king of Israel. And, and Solomon saw his dad seek after God. He saw his dad. He knew his dad fell into sin. He knew his dad had compromised, but his dad did it right, and he got back up again, right? Solomon met with God twice, the Bible says. God said, what do you want? What can I give you as king? And Solomon said, instead of asking for riches, instead of asking for honor, he said, I want wisdom. I want the ability to distinguish between right and wrong because I need to lead your people. The Bible says that God was pleased with him. That pleased God. And God said, because you have asked for such thing, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you riches and honor. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through 14. And so... It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told Israelites, you must not intermarry. You must not intermarry them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. He warned him. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 
I'm so sorry, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods. Come on, his wives. I mentioned this in first service, and I'll mention it again. It matters who you marry. It matters who you allow into close proximity of your life. Maybe you're a single person, but if you have people in your life who are not living for God, are you influencing them, or are they influencing you? Solomon pleased the Lord at one point. He began to compromise. He allowed these women in his life, and they turned his heart. It says Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart to other gods. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart, I'm sorry, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So his devotion began to diminish Next verse. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. Is there such thing as following God halfway? No, absolutely not. It said he did not follow God completely as David his father has done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all of his foreign wives. He burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. The God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. He met with God. He knew God was with him. He had experienced God. He had heard about God. He had seen the faithfulness of God. And yet he still chose this path. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, somebody say attitude, you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son, yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Then the Lord raised up against Solomon an adversary, hatted the Edomite from the royal line of Edom. Amen. Wow. That is a sad story, isn't it? And I'm sorry to bring it to you, but I love the Old Testament because we get to learn the character of God. We get to, to learn uh, who, he, who he was, his faithfulness to his people. And then we also learn examples, someone like a Solomon. Guys, we are not so far from a person like Solomon. Yes, it is a sad story, but we can learn from his sad story. The good news is that we, many people believe that he did have an opportunity to repent. If you read on to the book of Ecclesiastes, he comes to find out that everything is meaningless. All these women were meaningless. Were meaningless. All these riches were meaningless. He repented and he said, the only thing that matters is fearing God and keeping his commands. Amen? We learn from Solomon. We learn from the wisdom that God gave him. And so, yes, it is a sad story. Why? He stopped doing what God had called him to do. God gave him everything that he needed. He gave him everything that he wanted, but it wasn't enough for him. So why is it a terrible story? It's because he stopped doing it because he went after things that his flesh desired. It says here that he loved those women, which is why he turned to them. Some scholars say that it may have been for political reasons so that he could continue to advance his kingdom. But it says right there in the text, he loved it. 
He loved those women, and he desired to have them. And so what was wrong with those women? It wasn't their nationalities. It wasn't because they were different. It was because they served other gods. And so God knows when he tells you don't touch something, you don't have to figure it all out. Oh, well, God might be a racist. You know, that's why he's telling me now. I'm just going to go over here and check it out. You know, no, God knows why he told you not to, to go there. So Solomon did what was told not, for him not to do, and he went there anyway. And um, number three, the third point that I want you, well, the first point was it's a sad story, okay? And it's a good thing to read sad stories. The second point is Solomon stopped doing what, what God had called him to do, and he didn't stay focused. And the third thing I think is one of the most important things is he lost his legacy because of sin. Amen? He lost what God had prepared for him. He lost what God had given him. And we don't want that to be said of us. I use this example today because as I was reading through Kings uh, sometime last year, man, it just hit me. How could people know you, experience your presence? How can people be blessed by you, God, and still be able to turn away? It's one thing to not know God and say, I don't want that, and just, you know, go off of what other people have said. It's another thing to have tasted the things of God and then still deliberately turn over to sin. And my heart was broken. My heart, you know, I began to see because I began to look at the church and even in my personal life, the times that I have fallen into sin. And God says it doesn't have to be that way. You and I are called to walk in the fear of the Lord each and every day. And if we are careful to do that, if Solomon had been careful to do that, he wouldn't have been where he ended up in disgrace. He had the most powerful kingdom. There was peace during his time of reign up until the end. He's the one king who experienced the most peace during his reign. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord was on him up until the very end. What does that last verse say? God rose up adversaries to come in, and then there began to be turmoil. So we are to leave a legacy. God has prepared for you and I a legacy to leave behind, and here we see that it can be lost because of choosing sin. See, David sinned one time, And there was a consequence for his sin, right? And he got back up again. His heart was broken before God. He feared the Lord and he repented. Solomon lost the fear of the Lord as he remained in sin. He lost the fear of God. And though we see his consequences, see, there's a difference. And it doesn't even matter what kind of sin. It doesn't matter how big the sin is. It matters how your repentance is. It matters the brokenness and your fear of the Lord that matters at the end of the day. If you've fallen in this place, the Bible says that you can get back up again. If you've fallen into sin, don't fall to the trap of the enemy that will tell you, now look at you, you hypocrite. No, what you do is you come, you fall on your knees today, and you repent of your sin. If you struggle with sin, you confess it to your brothers, and your brother will hold you accountable and run and walk this race with you. Amen? How can we apply this to our lives to make sure that we always walk in the fear of the Lord? Very basic and very simple steps, and one that many of us don't do. Number one is keep a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Somebody say vibrant. Vibrant, alive relationship. Not going off of what God said to you last week or last month or what you read in the Word of God before. It's a vibrant relationship with Him daily, reading your Bible daily, praying daily, having Christian fellowship daily, coming to church, not forsaking the gathering of believers. Amen? 
Having a vibrant relationship with God where you are praying and you are listening. The Bible tells us in Psalms 34 verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. So you're, we're not just out here just spewing out prayers or, or you know, spitting out prayers and, and that's it. And they're just, you know, nobody hears them ever. No, God is saying his ear, it's attentive. And he's waiting and he's looking and he's listening. And he's wanting us to cry out to him. Amen? Number two, we need to always have a view and understanding of eternity. Don't lose sight of eternity for what you see here in this world. Though you're light, you have light and momentary troubles. The glory that will be revealed to you and I far outweighs each and every trouble that we face. The glory that will be revealed to you and to, to I will be far more amazing than whatever pleasure one sin can give you. Amen? think that sin feels good? think it feels good to gossip about Sister Susie? You think it feels good to take that little extra money? You know, the Bible says that's nothing compared to what God has. But see, the enemy comes and says, here, this is good. Take it. Take it now. Here, Solomon, here are all these women. Why don't you go after them? They're yours. See, but Solomon lost out on what God had for him. Let us not lose out on what God has for us. Always keep an eye in, in, in your, your heart understanding that these 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, they'll pass. But there is an eternity that's waiting for us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Lord, help us to always keep our eyes on eternity. Number three, the third, the third way that we can apply this to our lives is, is to remember that everything that God is doing to us, we need to let it go through us, that we would leave a legacy to be remembered as a person of faithfulness. Amen? When we're tempted with sin, it's not just us that it affects. It's other people that's going to affect as well. When I'm tempted to sin, you know what I think about? I think about my children that are looking up to me. My children who will one day have to make the very same choices that I'm making today. And do I want to, to leave them an example of someone who, who gives into sin and to, gives into temptation? No. I want to give to them an example of someone who is faithful to the very end. If you have gone through troubles, if you have gone through hardship, if you have experienced terrible times in your life and your children are watching you, it doesn't, that's not what they're going to remember. What they're going to remember is mom and dad prayed. Mom and dad loved God and mom and dad stayed faithful to the very end. Even if you don't have your own earthly children, you need to remember there may be spiritual children around you. And they're looking to you as well. And they're looking for you. And you want to leave a legacy for them. A legacy of faithfulness. Do you want your life to matter in this world? Come on, it's one day. It's each and every day making a decision to walk with God. Making a decision to be faithful to him. Making a decision to walk in the fear of the Lord. And obeying his commands. Come on, do we have a people group that's been set apart that's saying, I will keep your commands? Can, will God find that people here at MPI? Will God find that on a Monday morning when you're at the workplace, someone who has been set apart, someone who is saying, I walk in the fear of the Lord. And when sin and temptation comes knocking at your door, you're saying, no, I don't want it. Come on. 
I'm going to share a personal testimony of mine. Many of you have heard it. I didn't all, you know, there was a moment in my life where I did, I fell into sin. And it was such a horrible time in my life because um, somebody, everybody knows that a Christian in sin is the most miserable person in the face of this earth, right? Come on, you guys ever heard that? I love it. Because you have too much of God to enjoy your sin and you have too much sin in your life to enjoy God, right? So it's just. You know, and so I was horrible. I, I had so much fear. I had the fear of the Lord, but it was a bad fear of the Lord. I thought God was going to kill me at that time. I, I had so much anxiety because I was wrong with God, and I needed to get right. And I was sitting in a coffee shop with my husband, and, and I seriously was, like, having uh, chest pains. And, uh, and I was like, man, God's going to kill me right now. Like, he's just going to do it because I'm wrong. I'm not right with him. And so my fear, you know, kept breeding more sin in my life. And so it was just horrible. And that didn't need to be. I didn't need to be like that in my life. I could have just repented of my sin and moved on. And so I'm here to tell you that if you have fallen into sin, just like I fell into sin, it's not something to boast about. It's not something that I'm proud of. But I can tell you that if God allowed me to get back up again and keep running, he can do the same thing in your life. Amen? The bad thing is, is when we stay in that sin and we live lives of hypocrisy, you know, and there's churches that are coming out right now where God is just exposing all of their mess. And, and it's, it's ridiculous to think that they could go on for so many years. I mean, I couldn't even stand just a couple months, like, sinning against God. I can't imagine living a, a completely other life and, and, and preaching about God on a Sunday morning and talking to people about Jesus, a completely other persona and and thinking that you're right with God man let the fear of God strike the church again amen but it starts here it starts with you and I because we can't point at that church and say they're doing it wrong we can't point at that person and say they're doing it wrong it starts with us on on each and every day it starts with us here today and it starts with us on a Monday morning and in our families and, and everywhere that we go. Amen? What else does the Bible tell us about the fear of the Lord? Here's one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, 7. It says, fear the Lord and shun evil. Say it with me. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Come on. Fear the Lord and shun gossip. I'm going to talk about that. Don't allow gossip to come into your life. Fear the Lord and shun hypocrisy. Fear the Lord and shun pornography. Put whatever you want in there. If you fear the Lord, your, your, your spirit is automatically going to shun that evil sin. You're going to know I don't need it and I don't want it anymore. Come on, do we have a people group that is going to say, I'm going to fear the Lord and shun evil? Amen. Why don't we, uh, I want to invite the band up to come up to the front because what we want to do is we want to pray. I have a very simple message for you today and that is it, guys. Make a decision. Make a conscious decision to fear the Lord. Let us learn from someone like a Solomon and say, hey, he didn't do it right. Praise God for grace and praise God for his repentance. But I have right here, right now, I have one life and I can do it right for God. I'm going to remain close to him. I'm going to remain in strong relationship with him in my prayer life. I'm going to hear from him, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to keep my eyes on eternity. I'm not going to focus on everything else that's going on around me, and I'm going to focus on what God has prepared for me for all of eternity. And number three, I'm going to leave a legacy of faithfulness. That's it, guys. That's, that's how this message applies to your life. It's making a conscious decision here, right here, right now, that when sin comes knocking at your door, 
you will stand righteous to the very end. You will walk out in righteousness. I know it's tempting sometimes to give in to certain sins. I know it's tempting. For me, one of my sins, and I'll, I'll say it right here, is, is having fears, irrational fears, anxiety. And that's a sin before God. But I say I'm going to fear God so much more than my fear that whatever it is, I'm going to overcome it. Because he is worth it all. He is worth it all. I want to stand to our feet this morning. Today, if you're, I'm going to call up my altar workers to come up to the front. If you're not right with God, oh, I pray that a holy fear of God would come upon you. That you would not be okay to be here in the congregation of believers worshiping him and, and being okay in sin. If you have sin in your life, today is the day for you to get right with God. You don't have to wait for another day. You don't have to wait until uh, you get home. You can, you can make it right before God right here because he is so awesome. He is so good that he wants to set you free. He doesn't want you living in torment. He wants you living in complete freedom before him. And this nation is waiting for men and women of God who live in righteousness to rise up and to be able to preach the truth, the good news, with authority, with confidence. People are waiting. They're dying in their sins, and they're waiting for men and women of God who will go out and preach the good news. Amen? What else does the Bible tell us, uh, tell us about the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 14, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there's something called the fear of the Lord that is there to keep us, that is there, dear God, to protect us. Dear God, it is walking in it, dear God, obeying your commands. Lord, being in close relationship with you so that we may be obedient to you. I pray right here, right now, come on, if that is you, if you're saying, I have not been right with God, I have compromised in sin, you may be a leader, you may have been saved for so long, or you may just have given your life to the Lord just this week. Come on, if that is you, today is the day that you can repent of your sin. Oh, hallelujah, come on. As the band leads us into a song of worship, Ooh, hallelujah, we're going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to stand with you today. Come on. If God is, is touching your heart, if God is tugging at your heart, today you can come and receive prayer, receive forgiveness, receive the Lord's touch upon your life. with your mouth that you're going to stand for righteousness that you're going to obey the lord's commands that you will be a voice into this generation walking each and every day honoring him with all that you do
Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the grace that's found at the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us, dear God, when we are weak, Lord. I pray Lord, that we would continue to walk in the fear of the Lord. If there's anyone here that needs prayer for anything else, our altar workers are up here at the front uh, waiting to pray with you. We want to stand and believe God for big things in your life. So come up and receive prayer. We're going to continue uh, to worship the Lord. So we invite you to stay and to soak in his presence. But we want to be grateful to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for all that he's done. God, you are worthy to be praised and adored, dear God. And our lives are here, dear God, to be used as instruments of righteousness. Though at one time we were used as instruments of wickedness, today we surrender our lives to you and we say, use us, God. We cry out for our nation. Lord God, who desperately needs you. We cry out for our nation that is going down, dear God, it, uh, backwards, dear God. And, and if it doesn't if repent, Lord, I know that there is judgment and there is hell that is to come for those, dear God, who do not put their faith and trust in you. So I pray for every person in this room, dear God, for righteousness, for boldness, for authority, dear God, deep down in their souls, that their eyes would be fixed upon you, dear God, not on what is seen, dear God, but on what is eternal, focused on you each and every day. Holy Spirit, have your way the remainder of this time. I want to make an official dismissal. If you have to leave, we invite you. Um, but we also invite you to come up here at the altars. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on. We're going to continue a time of worship and prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.